I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars by 20. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in. Hour number one is rolling along here. If you ever miss any part of the show, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. Follow the show on kslsports.com and all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google Play, Spotify. You know the drill. Just follow the podcast on any podcasting platform, and you can always get Cougar Sports Saturday wherever you go. We're following some college football games today. Ohio State uh, into the third quarter. They are only up 16-14. to 14 on Penn State, so uh, Happy Valley looking to pull off the upset against the number 2-ranked Buckeyes. We'll continue to monitor that, and then undefeated TCU. They're up 28-24 to with 4.09 left in the third, so Big 12 play, always competitive in the Big 12, and that's kind of uh, a piece that uh, makes this so interesting, Matt, is that uh, BYU is squandering an opportunity this season to have a special year. It felt like on paper there was so much to like about this team, and now they sit at 4-5, and five, and the text line is blowing up, and Cougar fans, they want answers, Matt. And you can text us, 57500. Uh, let's see, where should we go with this? Where should we go with the text line, Matt? Where do you want to go? Let's go here. I like this one. Because I think there has been a laser focus on the defense being the frustration. Let's sure. go with this. Texter 9993. Who calls those lackluster plays on the offense up the gut? Is it always Aaron Roderick? I think that it is. Now, we do know that this is a collaborative staff, that Fessy Satake, Steve Clark, Harvey Unga, they have input. But I believe on game days, from everything that we've been told, at the end of the day, the buck stops with Aaron Roderick. I think he's making the decisions. And he's enlightened us throughout the year on Coordinator's Corner and, and other interviews that 
they really, and this is, I could be wrong here. I'm not in the room, so maybe don't take this as fact. But from what I've gathered, they kind of make play calling a little easier by grouping plays into situations. Like here's the however many number of plays there are, fourth and one, this is what we're picking from. You know, sub fourth and three. If it's third and five, we've got these. If it's third and long, we got those. But uh, to answer his question, I do believe it's Aaron Roderick. And I think I think it is very interesting that Aaron Roderick has been so good since he became the offensive coordinator up until this year. And this year, I think it's been a step back for Aaron Roderick. Where is the creativity? Where is uh, you know the the lack of predictability because in these short situations in critical moments it seems like it is always a run. Where is a naked boot play action? Where is you know the Mason Wake plays that we were critical of earlier? Those would actually be maybe a good play on a fourth and one. Sneak him out of the backfield, quick dump off. You should be able to get it two yards from that. Yeah, it's just it's it's very interesting that. It just seems like there are there's not enough creativity, and then we've also talked about this too. There's not enough creativity, and there's also not enough highlighting the important players in the big moments, and I think that does fall on Aaron Roderick. And you know, earlier this week we heard from Aaron Roderick that the playmaker on this offense is Puka Nakua, and BYU has found a lot of ways to get Puka Nakua the ball, uh, but in those key spots, it sometimes gets forgotten. And, you know, I, I sometimes cringe when Puka is lining up at running back because I, I say cringe because he just he, he's got an injury. He's injury prone. He's always getting hurt. It seems like he stayed healthy. Knock on wood for Puka there. But, uh, you know, but just you got to find a way to get Puka the ball, because whenever that guy touches it, it just feels like he's ready to pop off a big play. And even Jaron Hall, it was nice last night. It felt like some of those runs were almost designed. Yeah. And, and I, I get worried to run Jaron too because he's so critical to this team uh, but Jaron showed once again that he has incredible athleticism and he can run uh, with the best of, of people in college football he's just such an incredible talent and maybe you have to turn to that whale more uh, in the last you know stretch of the season if you want to get to a bowl game and you have to win one of these road games at Boise or at Stanford maybe Jaron's got to do things more with his legs because uh, they have made a concerted effort to avoid that at all costs, and rightfully so, because you want to keep him healthy for one, this team, but two, his pro prospects. But he's banged up right now, and the shoulder, he's still playing through it. And I know that they've downplayed it and said he's 100%, but it's not a coincidence that BYU goes winless in the four games following that, uh, you know, he's after, not, after he, he hurts his shoulder. Yep. Uh, it, there's been a dip in, in his level of play, and and, you know, I still think Jaron is a special talent that he is their best quarterback regardless. But, you know, I, I think that uh, there, there's a lot of factors here, and I'm curious to see going forward if they do turn to the well of having Jaron run the ball more. To your point about Puka, though, Mitch, you don't need to put him at running back to get him the ball. On, yeah. on the drive in which he scored his uh, touchdown, that drive, there were two things that were obvious on that drive that worked. You already touched on one of them, Jaron running the football. He extended that drive on third down with a couple of runs. So, you know, credit to Jaron for being willing to do that. But also early in that drive, before one of the third down conversions, there was like a uh, like a six-yard just option route to Puka where he just sat in the zone, caught the ball, made a little spin move, picked up the first down. That is always there. Those type of plays are always there. 
You don't need to resort to fly sweeps and puka at running back to get in the ball. You can do a four-yard pass on a just a, a quick out route or just settle into a zone if it is zone. Even if it's man, you can puka is good enough to break free and get the football. So I don't feel like you have to razzle dazzle to get your guys the football. I also love this text match, 8208. Throw to Isaac Rex. 83 is open every single play, says, says this texture. I, I wouldn't go that far, but Isaac Rex is he needs so to much, use more. He's not being utilized. Nope. And there was a play, I believe it was last week against Liberty, um, where it was like it's sort of like a pick play, but Rex just sneaks out a little bit. And I think it was Keanu Hill who's like running a slant, and it's a crossing route where you get Rex out on the outside. That's also another play that would probably work 90% of the time. Why is that not involved in short yardage? Third and two, you can't just get it to big 83 for two yards. That's where it's just like, where is – that's not even being creative. That's just simply saying, on this third and two, we are going to force the ball to Puka Nakua. You're going to run a four-yard hitch, and we're throwing you the football. Go make the play. Yeah. That's simple football, and it's not happening, and, and I don't know why. Texas at 57500, another texter, 9776. Where's the tight end play as well? Where's the tight end play? I, I'm with you. I mean, because, yeah, yep. I, I think Dallin Holker's being validated. And I know that Dallin, uh, you know, hung it up early, and you can question that. That's just kind of the new wave of college football where guys are going to maintain their red shirt, but he's being validated. You can't because, criticize him. Yeah, Isaac Rex is not being utilized enough. And look, if Rex isn't getting utilized, what would have happened to Holker? Gosh, I mean, and I think it was Dennis Pitta, too, he even said it. And who's going to question Dennis Pitta? Maybe the greatest tight end in the history of the program. I think he said it on BYU TV. Yep. They're not getting utilized enough. And look, this is not the t- the lack of tight end usage. Say, and I don't think it's on Hall either. You don't think so? Like, Maybe a little bit, but I just it comes back to my point on are there play calls being called where it's this is specifically going here in a yeah. situation you have one option: throw it to Isaac Rex on third and two. I don't. It's hard for me to say yes or no because I'm not in the play call room, so I don't want to be too critical. But from my vantage point, I'm not seeing those situations. Well, we just just saw a ton of tight end usage with Zach Wilson. And I think that's where – I think I just – me personally, I naturally assumed it's just going to carry over. It was a different offensive coordinator during that time too, though. In 2020, it was Jeff Grimes. Well, I think many believe, though, that – a Rod was he was hev- heavily he, he was, was yes he was a, a prominent role but but right Grimes was a significant voice too and we've seen his role at Baylor he targets the tight end a ton yeah. at Baylor so that that is a good point as well uh, it, but it should be noted too that the tight end position work uh, is still far better than. Uh, what it was back in the day with like the Bronco years at the end, where it's like, oh, they got Remington Peck out there. The tight end position's back. And it's- he was more productive than Isaac Rex. <laughs> like, just get Isaac Rex the ball. This just ha- sorry, this just happened in the Penn State game. Fourth and one. Okay, Penn State's about to score and take the lead early fourth quarter. Fourth and one, they'd throw a quick slant and convert on the first down. Oh, BYU hasn't tried that all year. Interesting. Instead, BYU's going to go in shotgun. They're going to run it up the gut. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, I, I, that's another thing, well, They too. put the ball in their best player's hands. They let Sean Clifford make a play. What I, a novel concept. Like, am I crazy to think that Isaac Rex could be like a, maybe not Michael Mayer, but I, I, I feel like Isaac Rex is a special talent. And if I'm Rex after this year, and I asked him earlier this week, you know, what are you considering? I know there's some football left because this is his fourth year. He's pretty close to getting his undergrad degree, uh, but he's got NFL prospects. Do you probably just move on? I mean, I, 
Maybe. Is there enough in, in, in incentive you'd have to, to be come sold. back? You'd have to be recruited hard with the specific role. Because he's now married. He's got it. a kid on the way. Baby boy, by the way. Congrats to the Rex family. That test worked, he told us. <laughs> the little, I little hair strand. I feel like, so my first child was a boy. And I was like, I almost didn't believe it. And then I watched Rex's video. He's like running up the side of a mountain after, because he wanted a boy badly. <laughs> yes. And he gets one. He's, and I'm like, dang, this dude is a hype. But to, to to wrap up the point in the tight ends, it just does not feel, it's a combination of all of it. Jaron Hall is probably not targeting them enough. I don't think enough play calls are being called for them that are designed to specifically go to the tight end. And then there's also situations where, uh, th- there's been specific plays that have been run so often to the tight end that I think teams are taking away. Like when you try and sneak the tight end on a wheel route, that worked for uh, Dallin Holker against USF. That worked for Ethan Erickson earlier in the year as well. That play, it's, it's snuffed out. Like East Carolina had that dialed up last night. That that's not there anymore. So they, but they. Bottom line is this, Mitch: the tight ends have always been valuable for BYU, and they always will be because BYU is never going to get the athletes. That in Alabama, Ohio State, USC, they're not going to get those guys. And one of the ways that you can neutralize them is through great tight end play. Lavelle Edwards figured this out 30 years ago. 40 years ago, sorry. I mean, is it 2022? Where's the time going? 40 years ago. He figured it out that this is a mismatch for BYU, and it's it can always be that, and they have to find a way to make that a mismatch yet again. I just reel off some of these names. Jaron Hall, Isaac Rex. Blake Freeland, Kingsley Suamata'ia, uh, you know Chase Roberts, Puka Nakua, uh, Cody Epps when he's healthy. There is talent on this team, and we're talking about this group at four and five. It's just it, it's it's disappointing, Matt. And, and I think that's so why Cougar Nation has every right to be frustrated because I think everyone is on on board with the fact that hey. Early years of the Big 12, you just naturally understand it's going to be a transition. I don't think it's going to be, oh, BYU suddenly going to be a two-win team. BYU is built to be competitive against some of these teams, but even that gets questioned a little bit because what we're seeing this year, and then you lose a lot of guys potentially to graduation and not guys not taking advantage of the COVID year or maybe transfers, you go into the Big 12 and you look at that league and you go, you still got Texas and Oklahoma. You got a 14 team league where I don't know if BYU is a favorite against any one of these teams. And Kansas is now playing some legit ball. So no game in that conference when that new schedule comes out in early December is going to be an automatic lock in that conference. And, and it gets scary. Uh, and that's where it's like, this isn't going to work long term. If it can't work with this schedule where you've had some breathers against alleged breathers with Liberty, with Wyoming, with Utah State, and you're just kind of going slogging through the game and whether you get blown out or you barely win, it's like we should – let's acknowledge too that sometimes a win is a win doesn't always pan out. Right. The way they played against Utah State and Wyoming, the writing was on the wall. Yeah. This was trending down. Yep. And I don't think there was enough seriousness taken like – this needs to get fixed. I get it in college football. Winning is always valuable, but it's like that product did not look good. But good, and it te- was trending good this teams way. don't struggle in those situations. Right. That's the thing. And, and BYU, the last couple of years, has not struggled in those spots. No. They've taken care of business. That's they, they, Last night was a bread-and-butter BYU game where it's like, okay, ECU's competitive. But these were the games where BYU always cleans up, and that's why they always build up to an eight, nine win season yeah. because they always take care of business against those type of teams. Yeah. And now you lost that, and you look at the rest of the schedule and go, where do you get the wins now? 
fans are being a little critical of Jaron Hall on the text line. Let's get to our assessment mm. of Jaron Hall as uh, Penn State uh, waiting for the signal here. It's going to be fourth and inches. Uh, they may take the lead. We are Penn State. We'll see. We'll take the break here. Uh, more BYU football reaction on the other side. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.